Act One of The Hunchback by James Sheridan Knowles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae Julia, read by Kelly Taylor. Helen, read by Wendy Katz Hiller. Master Walter, read by Wayne Cook. Sir Thomas Clifford, read by Andrew Latheron. Master Wilford, later Earl of Rochdale, read by Alan Mapstone. Lord Tinsel, read by Todd. Modus, read by Andrew James. Fathom, read by Adrian Stevens. Master Hartwell, read by Jim Hedrick. Gaylove, read by Cat. Holdwell, read by Lurie Wilson. Simpson, read by Greg Giordano. Thomas, read by Larry Wilson. Stephen, read by Greg Giordano. First attendant, read by Michelle Eaton. Second female attendant, read by Hannah Dormer. Williams, read by Greg Giordano. Waiter, read by Rebecca Brown. Servant, read by Jake Militia. Stage directions, read by Joanna Michael Hoyt. Act One, Scene One. A tavern. On one side, Sir Thomas Clifford, at a table, with wine before him. On the other, Master Wilford, Galove, Holdwell, and Simpson, likewise taking wine. Your wine, sirs, your wine! You do not justice to mine host of the three tons, nor credit to yourselves. I swear the beverage is good it is as palatable poison as you will purchase within a mile round ludgate drink gentlemen make free you know i am a man of expectations and hold my money as light as the purse in which i carry it we drink master wilford not a man of us has been chased as yet but you feel not fairly sirs look at my measure where for a large glass if not for a large draught fill i pray you else let us drink out of thimbles this will never do for the friends of the nearest kin to the wealthiest peer in britain we give you joy master wilford of the prospect of advancement which has so unexpectedly opened to you unexpectedly indeed but yesterday arrived the news that the earl's only son and heir had died and to-day has the earl himself been seized with a mortal illness his dissolution is looked for hourly and i his cousin in only the third degree known to him but to be unnoticed by him a decayed gentleman's son glad of the title and revenues of a scrivener's clerk am the undoubted successor to his estates and coronet have you been sent for no but i have certified to his agent master walter the hunchback 
my existence and peculiar propinquity and momentarily expect him here lives there any one that may dispute your claim i mean vexatiously not a man master gaylove i am the sole remaining branch of the family tree doubtless you look for much happiness from this change of fortune a world three things have i any special passion for the finest hound the finest horse and the finest wife in the kingdom master gaylove the finest wife yes sir i marry once the earldom comes into my line i shall take measures to perpetuate its remaining there i marry sir i do not say i shall love my heart has changed mistresses too often to settle down in one servitude now sir but phil i pray you friends this if i mistake not is the day whence i shall date my new fortunes and for that reason hither have i invited you that having been so long my boon companions you shall be the first to congratulate me enter waiter you are wanted master wilford by whom one master walter his lordship's agent news sirs show him in waiter goes out my heart's a prophet sirs the earl is dead enter master walter well master walter how accost you me as your impatience shows me you would have me my lord the earl of rochdale give you joy all happiness my lord long life and health unto your lordship come we'll drink to his lordship's health tis two o'clock we'll eat in crowds till midnight health my lord my lord much joy to you all good to your lordship give something to the dead give what respect he has made the living first to him that's gone say peace and then with decency to rebels what means the knave by rebels knave ay knave go to thou art flushed with wine thou sayest false though didst thou need a proof thou speakest true i'd give thee one thou seest but one lord here and i see two reflectest thou my shape thou art a villain Galov, starting up ha a coward too draw drawing his sword only mark him how he struts about how laughs his straight sword at his noble back does it it cuffs thee for a liar then strikes Galov with his sword <laughs> a blow another lest you doubt the first his blood on his own head i'm for you sir draws hold sir this quarrel's mine coming forward and drawing no man shall fight for me sir by your leave your patience pray my lord for so i learn behooves me to accost you for your own sake draw off your friend not till we have a belt sir my lord your happy fortune ill you greet ill greet it those who love you greeting thus the herald of it sir what's that to you let go my sleeve my lord if blood be shed on the fair dawn of your prosperity look not to see the brightness of its day twill be o'ercast throughout 
My lord, and struck. You gave the first blow, and the hardest one. Look, sir, if swords you need must measure, I'm your mate, not he. I meet for any man. Draw off your friend, my lord, for your own sake. Come, gay love, let's have another room. With all my heart, since tis your lordship's will. That's right. Put up. Come, friends. Wilford and friends go out. I'll follow him. Why do you hold me? Tis not courteous of you. Thinkest thou I fear them? Fear? I rate them but a dust. Dross, offers. Let me at them. Nay, call you this kind? Then kindness know I not. Nor do I thank you for it. Let go, I say. Nay, Master Walter, they're not worth your wrath. How know you me for Master Walter? But my hunchback, eh? My stilts of legs and arms, the fashion more of apes than man's. Aha! So you have heard them, too. Their savage jibes as I pass on. There goes my lord, aha! God made me, sir, as well as them and you. So death, I demand of you, unhand me, sir. There, sir, you're free to follow them. Go forth, and I'll go too. So on your wilfulness shall fall whate'er of evil may ensue. Is't fit you waste your collar on a burr? The nothings of this town? Whose sport it is to break their villain jests on worthy men? The graver still the fitter. Fie for shame! Regard what such would say. So would not I, no more than he'd occur. You're right, sir, right, for twenty crowns. So there's my rapier up. You've done me a good turn against my will, which, like a wavered child whose pet is off, that made him restive under a wholesome check, I now write humbly own and thank you for. No thanks, good Master Walter, oh you me. I'm glad to know you, sir. I pray you now, how did you learn my name? Guessed I not right? Was not my comely hunch that taught it you? I own it. Right, I know it. You tell truth. I like you for it. But when I heard it said that Master Walter was a worthy man, whose word would pass on, change soon as his bond, a liberal man for schemes of public good, that sets down tens where others' units write, a charitable man, the good he does, that's told of, not the half, I never more could see the hunch on Master Walter's back. You would not flatter a poor citizen? Indeed, I flatter not. I like your face. A frank and honest one, your frame's well-knit, proportioned, shaped. Good sir. Your name is Clifford, Sir Thomas Clifford. Humph! <laughs> You're not yet direct to the fair baronetcy. He that was, was drowned abroad. Am I not right? Your cousin, t'was not. So succeeded you to rank and wealth, your birth ne'er promised you. I see you know my history. I do. You're lucky who can join the benefits of penury and abundance. For I know your father was a man of slender means. You do not blush, I see. That's right. Why should you? What merit to be dropped on Fortune's Hill? The honour is to mount it. You have done it. For you were trained to knowledge, industry, frugality, and honesty. The sinews that surest help the climate to the top and keep him there. I have a clerk, Sir Thomas, once served your father. There's the riddle for you. Rumph, I may thank you for my life today. I pray you say not so. But I will say so, because I think so, know so, feel so, sir. Your fortune, I have heard, I think, is ample, and doubtless you live up to it. T'was my rule, and is so still, to keep my outlay, sir. 
a span within my means. A prudent rule. The turf is a seductive pastime. Yes. You keep a racing stud? You bet? No, neither. Twas still my father's precept. Better owe a yard of land to labour than to chance be a debtor for a rood. Twas a wise precept. You are fair house. You'll get a mistress for it? In time. In time? Tis time thy choice were made. It's not so yet? Or is thy lady love the newest still thou seest? Nay, not so. I'd marry, Master Walter, but old use, for since the age of thirteen I have lived in this world, has made me jealous of the thing that flattered me with hope of profit. Bargains another would snap up, might be for me, till I had turned and turned them. Speculations that promise twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, I sent per cent returns. I would not launch in when others were at float and out at sea, whereby I made small gains, but missed great losses. As ever then I looked before I leaped, so do I now. Thou art all the better for it. Let's see. Hand free, heart whole, well favoured, so, rich titled, let that pass, kind, valiant, prudent. Sir Thomas, I can help thee to a wife. Hast thou the luck to win her? Master Walter, you jest. I do not jest. I like you, Mark. I like you, and I like not everyone. I say a wife, sir. Can I help you too? The pearly texture of whose dainty skin alone were worth thy barrency. Form and features has she, wherein move and glow the charms, that in the marble, cold and still, culled by the sculptor's jealous skill and joined there, inspire us. Sir, a maid before whose feet a duke, a duke might lay his coronet, to lift her to his state and partner her. A fresh heart, too, a young fresh heart, sir, one that Cupid has not toyed with, and a warm one, fresh, young, and warm, mark that, a mind to boot, wit, sir, sense, taste, a garden strictly tended, where not but what is costly flourishes, a consort for a king, sir, thou shalt see her. I thank you, Master Walter, as you speak. He thinks I see the altar foot, her hand fast locked in mine, the ring put on, my wedding bell rings merry in my ear, and round me throng glad tongues that give me joy to be the bridegroom of so fair a bride. What sparks so thick will have a blaze anon? Servant entering. The chariot's at the door. It waits in time. Sir Thomas, it shall bear thee to the bower where dwells this fair for she is no city belle, but in a sylvan goddess. Have with you. You bless the day you served the hunchback, sir. They go out. Scene two, a garden before a country house. Enter Julia and Helen. I like it not, Julia, this your country life. I'm weary on it. Indeed, so am not I. I know no other, would no other know. You would no other know? Would you not know another relative, another friend, another house, another anything, because the ones you have already please you? That's poor content. Would you not be more rich, more wise, more fair? The song that last you learned you fancy well, and therefore shall you learn no other song? 
Your virginal, tis true, hath a sweet tone, but does it follow thence you shall not have another virginal? You may love, and a sweeter one, and so a sweeter life may find than this you lead. I seek it not. Helen, I'm constancy. So is a cat, a dog, a silly hen, an owl, a bat, where they are wont to lodge that still sojourn, nor care to shift their quarters. Thou art constancy. I am glad I know thy name. The spider comes of the same family, that in his meshy fortress spends his life, unless you pull it down and scare him from it. And so thou art constancy, art proud of that. I'll warrant thee, I'll match thee with a snail from year to year that never leaves his house. Such constancy, forsooth, a constant grub that houses ever in the self-same nut where he was born, till hunger drives him out, or plunder breaketh through his castle wall. And so, in very deed, thou'rt constancy. Helen, you know the adage of the tree, I've ta'en the bin. This rule life of mine, enjoined me by an unknown father's will, I've led from infancy. Debarred from hope of change, I've ne'er sighed for change. The town to me was like the moon, for any thought e'en should I visit it. Nor was I schooled to think it half so fair. Not half so fair. The town's the sun. And thou hast dwelt in night ere since thy birth not to have seen the town. Their women there are queens, and kings their men, their houses palaces. And what of that? Have your town palaces a hall like this? Couches so fragrant, walls so high adorned, casements with such festoons, such prospects, Helen, as these fair vistas have? Your kings and queens seem me a mayday queen, and talk of them. Extremes are ever neighbors. Tis a step from one to the other. Were thy constancy a reasonable thing, a little less of constancy, a woman's constancy, I should not wonder wert thou ten years hence the maid I know thee now. But, as it is, the odds are ten to one, that this day year will see our may-day queen a city one never i'm wedded to a country life oh did you hear what master walter says nine times in ten the town's a hollow thing where what things are is naught to what they show where merit's name laughs merit's self to scorn where friendship and esteem that ought to be the tenants of men's hearts lodge in their looks and tongues alone where little virtue with a costly keeper passes for a heap a heap for none that has a homely one where fashion makes the law your umpire which you bow to whether it has brains or not where folly taketh off his cap and bells to clap on wisdom which must bear the jest where to pass current you must seem the thing the passive thing that others think and not your simple honest independent self ay so says master walter see i not what can you find in master walter julia to be so fond of him he's fond of me 
I've known him since I was a child. E'en then, the week I thought a weary heavy one, that brought not Master Walter. I had those about me then, that made a fool of me, as children oft are fooled, but more I loved good Master Walter's lesson, than the play with which they'd surfeit me. As I grew up, more frequent Master Walter came, and more I loved to see him. I had tutors then, men of great skill and learning, but not one that taught like Master Walter. What they'd show me, and I, dull as I was, but doubtful saw, a word from Master Walter made as clear as daylight. When my schooling days were o'er, that's now a good three years past, three years, I vow, I'm twenty, Helen. Well, as I was saying, when I was done with school, and all were gone, still Master Walter came, and still he comes, summer or winter, frost or rain. I've seen the snow upon a level with the hedge, and yet there was Master Walter. Who comes here? A carriage, and a gay one. Who alights? Pshaw, only Master Walter. What see you which thus repairs the arch of the fair brow a frown was like to spoil? A gentleman, one of our town kings, Mark. How say you now? Wouldst be a town queen, Julia? Which of us, I wonder, comes he for? For neither of us. He's Master Walter's clerk, most like. Most like. Mark him as he comes up the avenue. So looks a clerk? A clerk has such a gait? So does a clerk dress, Julia? Mind his hose. They're very like a clerk's. A diamond loop and button note you for his clerkship's hat. Oh, certainly a clerk. A velvet cloak, jerkin of silk, and doublet of the same. For all the world, a clerk. See, Julia, see how Master Walter bows and yields him place that he may first go in. A very clerk. I'll learn of thee, love, when I'd know a clerk. I wonder who he is. Wouldst like to know? Wouldst for a fancy ride to town with him? I prophesy he comes to take thee thither. He ne'er takes me to town. No, Helen, no. To town who will, a country life for me. We'll see. Enter Fathom. You're wanted, madam. Julia, embarrassed. Which of us? You, madam. Julia, what's the matter? Nay, mount not the rose so soon. He must not see it a month hence. Tis love's flower, which once she wears, the maid is all his own. Go to. Be sure he comes to woo with thee. He will bear thee hence. He'll make thee change the country for the town. I'm Constancy. Name he the town to me. I'll tell him what I think on it. Then you guess he comes a-wooing? I guess not. You do. At your grave words, your lips, more honest, smile, and show them to be traitors. Hie to him. Hie thee to soberness. Goes out. Hi. Will I, when thy bridesmaid, I shall hie to church with thee? Well, Fathom, who is come? I know not. What? 
Didst thou not hear his name? I did. What is it? I note it not. What hast thou ears for, then? What good were it for me to mind his name? I do but what I must do. To do that is labour quite enough. Master Walter, without. What fathom? Here. Master Walter, entering. Here, sir. Wherefore didst not come to me? You did not bid me come. I called thee. Yes, and I said here, and waited then to know your worship's will with me. <sighs> we go to town. The mistress, thou and all the house. Well, sir? Makest thou not ready then to go to town? Hence, knave, dispatch. Fathom goes out. Go we to town? We do. Tis now her father's will she sees the town. I'm glad on it. Goes she to her father? No, at the desire of thine, she for the term shows roof with thee. I'm very glad on it. What? You like her, then? I thought you would. Tis time she sees the town. It has been time for that these six years. By thy wisdom's count. No doubt you've told her what a precious place it is. I have. I even guessed as much. For that I told thee of her, brought thee here to see her and pray thee to sojourn a space with her that its fair space from thy too fair report might strike a novice less so less deceive her i did not put thee under check twas right else had i broken loose and run the wilder so knows she not her father yet that's strange i prithee how does mine well very well news for thee what thy cousin is in town my cousin modus much do i suspect that cousin's nearer to thy heart than blood pshaw wed me to a musty library love him who nothing loves but greek and latin but master walter you forget the main surpassing point of all who's come with you ay that's the question is he soldier or civilian lord or gentleman he's rich if that's his chariot where is his estate what brings it in six thousand pounds a year twelve thousand maybe is he bachelor or husband bachelor i'm sure he is comes he not hither wooing master walter nay prithee answer me who says thy sex are curious that they're patient i'd be sworn and reasonable very reasonable it took for twenty answers in a breath Come, thou shalt be enlightened, but propound thy questions one by one. Thou art far too apt a scholar. My ability to teach will ne'er keep pace, I fear, with thine to learn. They go out. Scene three, an apartment in the house. Enter Julia, followed by Clifford. No more, I pray you, sir, no more. I love you. You mock me, sir. Then there is no such thing on earth as reverence, honour filial the fear of kings the awe of supreme heaven itself are only shows and sounds that stand for nothing i love you you have known me scarce a minute say but a moment still say i love you love's not a flower that grows on the dull earth springs by the calendar must wait for the sun for rain matures by parts must take its time to stem to leaf to bud to blow it owns a richer soil and boasts a quicker seed you look for it and see it not when lo e'en while you look the peerless flower is up consummate in the birth is it fear i feel why else should beat my heart it can't be fear 
something needs i must say you're from the town how comes it sir you seek a country wife methinks twill tax his wit to answer that in joining contrasts leith loves delight complexion stature nature mateth it not with their kinds but with their opposites hence hands of snow in palms of russet lie the forms of hercules affects the sylphs and breasts that case that lion's fear-proof heart find their meat-lodge in arms where tremors dwell haply for this on afric's swarthy neck hath europe's pricely pearl been seen to hang that makes the orient poor so with degrees rank passes the circlet graced brow upon the forehead bare of notelessness to print the nuptial kiss as with degrees so is't with habits therefore i indeed a gallant of the town the town forsake to win a country wife his prompt reply my backward challenge shames must i give o'er i'll try his wit again who marries me must lead a country life the life i'd lead but fools would fly from it for oh tis sweet to find the heart out be there one to find and corners in it where store of pleasures lodge we never dreamed were there is it to dwell mid smiles that are not neighbours to deceit music whose melody is of the heart and gifts that are not made for interest abundantly bestowed by nature's cheek and voice and hand it is to live on life and husband it it is to constant scan the handiwork of heaven it is to con its mercy bounty wisdom power it is to nearer see our god how like he talks to master walter shall i give it o'er not yet thou wouldst not live one half a year a quarter mightst thou for the novelty of fields and trees but then it needs must be in summer time when they go dressed not it in any time say winter fields and trees have charms for me in very winter time but snow may clothe them then i like them full as well in snow you do i do but night will hide both snow and them and that sets in ere afternoon is out a heavy thing a country fireside in a winter's night to one bred in the town where winter said for the sun of gaiety and sportiveness to beggar shining summer i should like a country winter's night especially you'd sleep by the fire not i i'd talk to thee you'd tire of that well, i'd read to thee and that i'd talk to thee again and sooner tire than first you did and fall asleep at last you'd never do to lead a country life you deal too harshly with me matchless maid as loved instructor brightens dullest wit fear not to undertake the charge of me a willing pupil kneels to thee and lays his title and his fortune at your feet his title and his fortune and her master walter and helen julia disconcerted retires with the latter clifford rises so sir thomas aha you husband time well was i right is not the jewel that i told you twas wouldst thou not give thine eyes to wear it eh it has an owner though nay start not one that may be bought to part with it and with whom i'll stand thy friend 
I will, I say I will. A strange man, sir, and unaccountable, but I can humour him. Will humour him for thy sake, good Sir Thomas, for I like thee. Well, is it a bargain? Come thy hand upon it. A word or two with thee. They retire. Julia and Helen come forward. Go up to town? Have I not said it ten times o'er to thee? But if thou likest it not, protest against it. Ah, not if tis Master Walter's will. Thou wouldst not break thy heart for Master Walter. That follows not. What follows not? That I should break my heart because we go to town. Indeed. Oh, that's another matter. Well, I'd even advise thee then to do his will, and ever after, when I prophesy, believe me, Julia. They retire. Master Walter comes forward. Enter Fathom. So please you, sir, a letter, a post-haste letter, the bearer on horseback, the horse in a foam, smoking like a bowler at the heat. Be sure, a post-haste letter. Look to the horse and rider. Opens the letter and reads. What's this? A testament addressed to me, found in his lordship's escritoire, and thence directed to be taken by no hand of it mine. My presence instantly required. Sir Thomas, Julia, and Helen come forward. Come, my mistresses. You dine in town today. Your father's will, it is my Julia, that you see the world, and thou shalt see it in its best attire, its gayest looks, its richest finery, it shall put on for thee that thou mayest judge betwixt it and this rural life you live business of moment i am but thus advised of touching the will of my late noble master the earl of rochdale recently deceased commands me for a time to leave thee there sir thomas hand her to the chariot nay i tell thee true we go indeed to town they go out end of act one